0: The six thirty Chad afternoon news with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross weekdays at two on six thirty Chad
1: two oh five. Welcome to the six thirty Chad afternoon news with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Today we'd also like to welcome listeners in Calgary and across southern Alberta listening to this simulcast on our sister station Global News Radio seven seventy CHQR for the ni- next ninety minutes or so. We're allowing our colleagues in in Calgary to. Um, Have some time to attend the funeral of our colleague as well. uh, Peter Watts his funeral being held today So we'll be with you for the next 90 minutes or so in those 90 minutes We have a a number of different topics. We want to get to uh, including a a new study on screen time and your children uh, Some pet therapy stories. You know what? Constitutes a pet therapy animal and this one which was making headlines across the country today.
0: Yeah Let's get right to it silence in the Toronto courtroom this morning as a serious killer rattled off eight guilty pleas one after the other Bruce MacArthur has admitted to eight counts of first-degree murder a Globe News Radio's Catherine McDonald reports
2: there was an incredible amount of anticipation as Bruce MacArthur finally said the word guilty eight times in relation to eight counts of first-degree murder for the families of some of the victims who were here in person and others who were on the phone this was the relief they had been anxiously waiting for in some cases after not knowing what had happened to their missing loved ones for years. Now, after the 67-year-old pleaded guilty to these eight counts of first-degree murder, the statement of facts was read out, a brief statement of facts. In all cases, one or more of the following facts were present. MacArthur planned and deliberated. He committed the murder in the course of sexually assaulting the victims, or a murder was committed while the victims were unlawfully confined. After murdering the man at his apartment, he disposed of their body parts at 53 Mallory Crescent, where he worked as a gardener, placing body parts. Uh, in planters while burying other parts in a ravine adjacent to the property. MacArthur also kept items belonging to some of his victims, including a bracelet, jewelry, a notebook, and a calendar. In six of the eight cases, the murders were sexual in nature. There's evidence a ligature was used, and in one case, ropes were used to confine his victims. MacArthur also staged the victims after killing them. We're still not clear what that means that he staged them, but the investigator in charge tells me that means he either moved them or he actually placed and took photographs of his victim. Now, first-degree murder uh, carries an automatic life sentence with no chance of parole for 25 years. Justice John McMahon must now decide whether MacArthur will serve these concurrently or consecutively. Either way, he will not be eligible for parole until he is at least 91 years old. On Monday, MacArthur will be back here at the Superior Courthouse, at which time a lengthy agreed statement of facts will be read out, and then three days are being set aside, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, for victim impact statements. We expect to hear from dozens of family members of the victims. It will be a very emotional week here in court.
1: Well, to take a closer look at this case and the, the sentencing hearing that's going on right now with the Humboldt Broncos bus crash case, we're joined by lawyer and political, political commentator Ari Goldkind. Ari, thanks for taking the time to join us today.
0: Great to be
3: on with
0: you. Let's uh, break this down a little bit. Uh, We have two guilty pleas and two high-profile cases. Is there a particular reason that defendants would just go ahead and uh, plead guilty? Is there some advantage to that?
3: Such a great question when you compare the two cases, because in Mr. Sidhu's case, There was really no need for him to plead guilty. It was really a matter of conscience. It was a very surprising move to me as a criminal defense lawyer. I could very well have seen a whole ton of defenses to this. I'm not so sure the evidence was open and shut given the legal standards for that dangerous driving tragic and horrific incident. You compare that to Bruce MacArthur, where there was no incentive to plead guilty. His sentence wouldn't be reduced. A judge can't take this guilty plea into consideration to reduce his sentence. We know he's gonna die in jail, and as many people would correctly think, rot in jail. Whereas with Mr. Sidhu I can tell you this. I think judges by and large have a relatively easy job of it lot of days in their career. The judge at the Humboldt matter has a very, very difficult job sentencing Mr. Sidhu. If you take away the public's blood thirst and bloodlust, and sentencing him appropriately.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that because that's something that Andrew and I have been talking mm-hmm. about over the past well months and since this is happening, uh, and certainly since he um, pled guilty. How does that weigh? What What does the judge look at in in the Sidhu case when it comes to sentencing? Okay, there's a guilty plea. He's got all these yep. victims impact statements that are being read days upon days of them how do, how does he balance that
3: well it's a, the word you use there is so right on the mark balancing because as many people will know the names and I'm in Toronto you're a little bit west of me but a lot of people know the name Paul Bernardo a lot yeah. of people know the name Dylan Millard people now know the name Bruce MacArthur these are people that woke up in the morning and decided to take lives either in a sexual context or just because they're particularly vicious. That's a very different fish than Mr. Sidhu, who was trained improperly, who was trying to make a small amount of money to support his family, who was doing a job that many of us would find too hard or stressful to do. He was taught by -by fly-by-night trucking companies that get closed down then open up. That's a very different criminal before the court than a Bruce MacArthur. So what the judge has to balance here is that there has to be a message that you can't drive this way. But fascinatingly, and this is the most interesting underreported part of the Sedu story, he wasn't drunk. He wasn't high. No. He wasn't even sexting. This is somebody that I still think there's a mystery because that intersection on that day is notoriously unsafe. There'd been a fatal collision there before. There'd been all sorts of collisions there. So what the judge has to really balance is the need to send the message that the courts will punish somebody for this kind of split second act versus the fact that Mr. Sadhu didn't wake up that morning wanting to do any harm. And by the way, pled guilty even at the earliest stage where you heard his lawyer and I take his lawyer at his word saying he just didn't want to put the families through it.
0: Well there is
1: that one question that remains
3: unanswered.
0: Because here's the thing and you know I know you're not in this case you know immersed in this case but as a lawyer who looks at these sort of things. So here's my question. Mm -hmm. If you eliminate all other factors you have to look at what you're left with. So if it's not road conditions, not sight lines because of trees, if it's not sun, if it's not distraction, if it's not alcohol, if it's not drugs, but you were charged with a criminal offense, you weren't. he was not charged with failing to stop at a stop sign. He was charged with dangerous driving. So how do you reach that, that level of charge given that that's a very difficult charge to prove or so we've been told?
3: And you're right, and here's why that plea, his guilty plea, as much as I get the idea of sparing the victims, remember, courts aren't just there to make victims' lives easier or to wash your hands. You can only be a criminal if you're genuinely a criminal. And the closest that the information came out in court today is that when he went through that stop sign, he blew through it at about 90. There's a flashing red light Mm -hmm. stop there. And most importantly, and this is the closest I can get to it, but believe me, I think he'd still have a ton of defenses given the history of the intersection and his unbelievably crappy training, is that his foot never touched the brake. That's a very important piece of this forensically, that his foot never touched the brake. That being said, Is there any part of this driving that even remotely seems intentional to me? That's not critical, necessarily, depending on your view of the code and dangerous driving and a marked departure. But there, to me, is a lot more to this story than meets the eye. However, Mr. Sidhu, because it is his choice, not his lawyers, said to his lawyer, put this case to bed, I will take my medicine, and the judge will
0: do with me what the judge wants to do. Sorry, so... Just for a moment before we, because this leads me to my next question for you about statement of facts. But are we left then with everything that we know from the statement of facts that either the driver willfully went through the intersection or simply failed to stop? Was tired, you know, that there was, I I, I don't know, we're left with very few options here.
3: I find it very difficult
0: to accept that
3: he willfully did anything in the normal, plain meaning of that term. You could get into a very easy box called negligence, where he was too fast going around that corner. He wasn't paying attention to the roadway. But remember, not impaired, not on his phone. Mm -hmm. So to me, it gets much more into the area of negligence. But I can tell you this. Let's go back to brass tacks. This was a national Canadian story. Mm -hmm. If the police didn't charge criminally, I think there would have been, you know, everybody's anti-social media lighting up. Mm -hmm. That Why are the police cutting him a break? But to me, this looks much more like a civil case. In other words, lawsuits, Highway Traffic Act charges based on what I've seen so far, particularly given the other revelations today, the 70 ways he violated all of the various trucking laws and codes. And if anybody thinks that's Jasper Sadu's fault and only his fault versus a whole series of other levels of either government and these fly-by-night trucking companies that we're all endangered by as we all drive on the roads, the idea that
0: this man is
3: the scapegoat
0: that really bothers me mm-hmm. well so and that's mm-hmm. what i want to ask you about in regards to statement of facts and i just want to know how it works because you you made mention of the uh, calgary-based trucking company that is also facing charges and a report that was filed today uh with regard to the violations that the driver had with his log books and uh you so forth so when you have statement of facts do they fall short of affecting another case so in other words does the defendant, is does he agree to as many statement of facts without going so far as to prejudice another trial, in this case the trial of the owner of the trucking company?
3: Well, I think it depends on what his and his lawyer's intentions are, because remember this is probably the beginning of about 900 litigations. I mm-hmm. mean, look, I'm a lawyer, I'm not throwing any shade at my fellow lawyers, I'm a lawyer. Uh, you go where the deep pockets are. So I can probably tell you that on 20 hands, you can count the number of lawsuits coming for the government, the trucking companies, the insurers. That's where the lawyers go. But to plead guilty in a criminal proceeding, you simply have to meet the elements of what you're charged with. And what that means in simple English is you don't have to throw a bunch of shade at the trucking company. You don't have to say, I didn't do my logbooks correctly that day. You have to stand up in court and say, on the day where I whacked into that bus, uh, my driving was a marked departure from ordinary, reasonable standard of care, and I was therefore driving dangerously. That's why you had that 96 or 86 kilometer an hour and your foot not touching the brake at any point come in. Now, if there is some ill will towards the trucking company that sort of left them to the wolves, That could come in as part of the defendant's own part of it. But for the criminal indictment, which is what we're talking about today he does not need to go down the road of those 70 provincial violations.
1: Ari uh, Goldkind Goldkind joining us on the uh, show this afternoon. Um, And we really appreciate your time Mm -hmm. today and for breaking this all down for us. Do you think that in either of these cases, the uh, Sudhu case or the MacArthur case, that we will hear from either of them at some point uh, as the sentencing hearing wraps up?
3: I think we will hear from Mr. Sadu. I get the sense in his march through the court, a very quick march, I believe there is genuine remorse here. I believe there is horror. I know some people will say when I say this, yes, but what about the families of the deceased and the injured? I'm not negating that, but I think nobody, nobody can imagine what it's like to walk a mile in Mr. Sadu's shoes for the rest of his life, how he lives with that day taking 16 lives and injuring about 13 or 14 people, uh, I just think there, but for the grace of God. go well, many of us, no, I don't want a wisecrack answer from somebody saying, yeah, but we weren't driving the truck. It is a horror of horrors. It doesn't make it better. Versus Mr. MacArthur, who I will tell you, including based on the fact that he had a bag ready to go to continue doing this, and he was caught almost in the act with another potential mm-hmm. victim in his bed, I think Mr. MacArthur's only regret, is
0: that he got caught. -hmm. You know, I do want to ask you about victim impact Mm -hmm. statements because when we talked about them yesterday, um, and and they're going on in both cases here, and and many people were asking us on our text line, and by the way, our listeners in Calgary can text us as well at six 6.30, and we'll receive those. Many people wanting to know, well, why does this driver have to sit uh, through this? But this is part of the sentencing process, right? This is, uh, in every case, when you get to the sentencing phase, victims... And um, relatives of victims are allowed to do this. Is, this is their right. Yes.
3: Yeah, so, first of all, the accused always has to be there for every single part of his trial. So, it's not like Mr. Sadu can say, I want to cover my ears and not hear this. Now, let's keep this real for a moment. The victim impact proceeding, where there's all these days and days. Uh, victim impact statements read I'll compare it to if you'll remember I'm sure you both do Dr. Larry Nasser in the state yes the gymnast doctor Mm -hmm. where for a week on CNN you had these uh, statements uh, all being read out with the judge sort of enjoying her 15 minutes these are really for public consumption they don't Tip the dial for what the judge is going to do you don't sentence people based on what the public wants to be sentenced or vengeance the victim impact statement isn't meant for somebody to say lock them up and throw away the key they're really meant for closure and catharsis and to give people a brief voice in court who aren't like me who make their living in court but to have their voice heard to have respect for their loved one but anybody who thinks it's truly a part of the process that tips the scale or makes anybody uh, or any judge sentence differently than what the law dictates, that would be erroneous.
1: Ari, before we let you go, uh, and lots of uh, legal experts saying, you know, as far as the MacArthur case goes, it'll be, you know, numerous consecutive sentences. If you were to, I don't know how you do it, uh, you look and, and make a best guess at the Sudou case, wh- what do you think that sentence is going to look like?
3: Well, for Mr. Sidhu, it's really interesting because we were just talking about victim impact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you even have many of the families of the deceased. And I think this is an amazing thing and a testament to the greatness of Canada, in a way, is that many of the victims forgive Mr. Sidhu. And my view of jail is a very simple one. We put people in jail when they need to be separated from society. That actually has to be the top reason. We don't do it because... Twitter is mad. We don't do it because people are mad. We don't do it because people are upset. And in my view, for this judge to put Mr. Sadu in for anything near what the max he could get, which is really without getting into too much time, about 14 years, it would shock me. And I think would actually be wrong, as much as people may argue this, and I know we don't have time to get into it, (laughs) if he got more than something like two to four years only to send the message to truckers and the trucking industry that if god forbid you do anything like this you're going to the penitentiary too that's the message that would be sent by a judge but it is not because mr sadhu needs to be behind bars but here's a little nit tidbit that most people don't know he'll only do a third of
0: whatever he does anyway. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, Ari Goldkind, political commentator and lawyer, uh, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And by the way, thanks uh, earlier for mentioning you know where Alberta is. We appreciate <laughs> that from anyone from Ontario. Thanks, uh,
3: my, my, my world view is west and
1: east. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, always great to talk to you. Look forward to doing it again. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you very much, Ari Goldkind, joining us this afternoon. We'll take a short break here. Uh, the province-wide broadcast of the 6.30 Chen Afternoon News with Jayla Nye and Andrew Gross continues right after this. 227 on the 630 chat. Afternoon News. It's Jayla Nye. Andrew Gross As we've been talking about the sentencing hearing in Melfort, Saskatchewan for the truck driver in the Broncos uh, bus crash. Jaskrit Singh Sidhu. Global News reporter Richard Cloutier is there. Here's the
0: latest. The wife of Broncos coach Darcy Hogan looked directly at Sidhu. You took away my husband, the father of my two sons. You were negligent. But I forgive you. Sidhu looked at her and nodded. A poignant moment in a day two of victim impact statements. Player Logan Shantz's mother Bonnie telling the court April 6th was her oldest daughter's birthday. Destroyed by the death of her son. Everything I see, I relate to Logan, she said. It's killing me. In documents released in an RCMP collision report, at least 10 violations in Sidhu's truck record keeping in the weeks leading up to the crash. He failed to report and keep proper records. No explanation from the defense, but it's expected to be brought up as part of the Crown's sentencing recommendations later this week. Richard Cloutier, Global News Radio, Melfort, Saskatchewan. In regard to that report that uh, Richard just referred to, here's a little more detail for you. The report notes that if Singh, the driver, had accurately documented his time at work on April 1st, it would have resulted, and I'm quoting here, in the driver being in violation of the maximum on-duty time of 14 hours a day. Uh, If he had been stopped and inspected on April 6th, uh, 2018, prior to the incident, he would have been placed under a 72-hour out-of-service declaration, which would have prevented him from operating a commercial vehicle. Uh, we've talked about this since the mm-hmm. beginning. The, the logbooks wanted to know what they looked like, how long had the driver been driving, um, why did he take the particular route he did. Uh, those are all questions that may come up now in the next case, which is the uh, owner of the Calgary-based trucking company uh, that was made mention by our lawyer guest a moment ago. They're facing eight charges relating to noncompliance with federal and provincial safety regulations in the months before the crash. But before the crash. Before, the crash. before the crash. So not related directly to the crash. But they also include seven charges under the Federal Motor Vehicle Transport Act. Two counts of failing to maintain logs for drivers' hours. Three counts of failing to monitor the compliance of drivers under safety regulation regulations. And two counts count of having more than one daily log for any given day. Keep that in mind, folks. Yeah.
1: The 6.30 chat Afternoon News continues on the Course Radio Network, uh, broadcast province-wide this afternoon. Stick around. We'll be back after the 2.30 news.
0: The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Lynn Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.